0: Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
1: stress. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and Fruit Loop serial killers of color. Listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash fruit. That's betterhel dot slash fruit. episode 15 and thank you all so so much for listening fruit loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we don't hear or know much about contrary to popular belief not all serial killers are white there are many well-documented cases of serial killers of color and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of these serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that the media and entertainment commonly leave out because just my opinion, the news is racist.
2: <laughs> and we are Wendy and Beth. She's Wendy, I'm Beth. We are not journalists, investigators, or psychologists. Just a couple of gals interested in true crime. And some of the things that we discuss on this podcast may be triggering and or disturbing to some listeners. In this podcast, we discuss familicide, infanticide, cannibalism, torture, Hmm. race, and murder. And sometimes we use profanity. Listener discretion is advised. Also. The opinions expressed in this podcast are just that, our opinions. Please send any questions or comments to Pod at gmail.com. Or, and this is new, mm-hmm. leave mm-hmm. us a voicemail at 602-935-6294. Enter at your own risk.
1: <laughs> so, um, I'm excited about hearing people's voicemails. <laughs> yeah. <us>. Uh, <laughs> we'll see what we get. So, um, please call. Um, before we dive into this episode, let's tell the people what they'll be hearing.
2: So, today we are talking about Swift Runner, a Canadian Cree who suffered from Wendigo psychosis. And he ended up murdering and eating his family.
1: His whole family. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So anyway, that sounds
2: great. (laughs) just as an FYI, we are going to play around with our format a little bit. Listener letters will now be at the beginning and shout outs will be at the end. So stay tuned for
1: our shout outs at the end for all of your true crime goodies. All right. So as you guys know, we have a Facebook discussion group that is growing. Amen. Thank you. Um, And uh, we got, yes, it's growing. (laughs) Sorry, <laughs> what's happening? It's an applause button. I have oh. a I have a soundboard <laughs> with a hip hop air horn. <laughs> I but thought it so was lots. <laughs> so I thought loud. it was like a
2: blender. I'm like, what are you making, margaritas? <laughs> yes, are you
1: thirsty? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am. Got, I got. I'm trying some food hip hop air horn and I pushed the wrong button so anyway our Facebook discussion group is growing and we got a really nice comment from one of our newest members Alex and he said uh thanks guys love the podcast crazy I've never heard of all these killers before and so to you Alex we say thank you for listening uh we see you boo so how you doing (laughs) 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 When, <laughs> <laughs> That's how Wendy Williams says it on her show. Yeah, I just love it. How are
2: you doing? <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> uh, I'm doing pretty good. I've been pretty busy um, doing all mm. kinds of stuff. Just losing my mind. How about you? <laughs>
1: uh, well, uh, I've been uh, pretty busy as well. I just got back from a 36-hour trip to Orlando, for a work thing and uh 12 of those hours were on a plane. Oh my God. And uh I went to <laughs> yeah, it was a whirlwind and I'm still like my sleep is off. I but bet. um it was a yeah. Um but it was Orlando. I'd never been there before. I went to a diversity conference um with other professionals and I was thinking like sometimes I feel like a unicorn in my day job because I never see any other black people or people of color in my position or, or in positions higher than me. Right. So I almost could not believe it. There was a black lady judge. Um, she worked at this firm who put on, put on the seminar and um, it, coming November, um, she's been elected to um, serve as a judge. Um, so that was crazy. Never met a black lady judge before. Um, there were like 10 black female lawyers, Um, and there were tons of people of color who had the same job that I did. Um, and there were also, yeah, it was crazy. There were also white professionals, um, who were interested in, in diversity, which was cool. It, it was, it was a really great seminar. Um, I just wish it wasn't so effing far away. Yeah. And the bottom line is, um, diversity improves businesses, bottom lines and outcomes. And I am, you know, uh. Super exhausted, but it just felt really, really good. So I'm gonna go back to our office and tell everybody about this conference. Um, and in my head, I'm I'm like trying to figure out a way to uh, like share the info, but not offend people, like not make it seem like I'm pointing out how racist they are, yeah, <laughs> you know, or how lack how how just completely uh, uh, non diverse. Are um, and unaware are are yeah. I mean,
2: you got sent to this uh, diversity seminar, and um, mm-hmm. we're like mostly white people in our office, and they didn't send any of the white people. I think that's
1: crazy. It's wild. None <laughs> of them wanted to go. <laughs> that's <terrible>. just me. <laughs> So I don't know. So maybe you know what? Maybe um maybe that's the thing is. There's just, a, I think, unaware, a lot of blind spots when, yeah. when you're in a homogenous environment. Um, it's hard for, um, you know, the, the, the white guys with the offices to see um, that there might be another way of looking at things or going about things. So, um, I don't know, hopefully after I spread the word or deliver the message. Yeah, least, um, I'm um, hoping
2: maybe you can uh, give a presentation. I know you probably don't want to, but... Uh... You know, um, at our, at
1: our I quarterly do. News. <laughs> Oh, cool, cool. I'll help you with yeah, the PowerPoint. Yeah, yeah. I am. I'm. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Oh, thank you, thank yeah. you. I'm so excited. Okay, good. <laughs> okay. So, uh, sorry to go on a tangent. No problem. But <laughs> do we have any
2: news? Yeah, I wanted to mention uh, that a surgeon in California has been charged with sexual assault, and um, I-, I thought it was funny. Well, not really. Haha, ha, funny, but strange, funny that uh, it, this was mm-hmm. after we shouted out death, Dr. Death last week.
1: <laughs> What's going know. on with these rich doctors?
2: Yeah, what the hell? So this guy was charged <laughs> with sexual assault, which actually in itself isn't that weird, <laughs> to be honest. I know. It happens. I know. I know. Um, but what <laughs> does. is weird is that his girlfriend helped him to lure in his victims. His name is Mm. uh, Grant William Robichaux, 38. And Mm -hmm. his girlfriend is Sarissa Laura Riley, 31. And they were charged in Mm -hmm. connection with assaulting two women. Uh, And it kind of reminds me of the Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka case. Uh, Are those the British people? uh, Canadian. Oh, Um, I
1: don't think I know that one.
2: They were a couple who uh, would kidnap women uh he would sexually assault them she would help him and uh then they mm-hmm. would murder them and so uh th- nobody's mentioned murder in this case yet but it just kind mm-hmm. of reminded me that cuz it's unusual a uh, couple very much doing so. this together very much know, so. in the family anyway <laughs> although they were initially charged with just the two assaults Other people have since come forward and the police found photo and video evidence on Robichaux's phone indicating that there have been more assaults. And now authorities said Mm. that they have received more than 50 credible leads about potential victims. And at least one of them is male. Yeah. Oh, man. And investigators have also expanded their inquiry into several states And they are looking into the possibility that Robichaux could have committed crimes dating back two decades. One of the alleged victims that has come forward is from Louisiana and alerted authorities Mm -hmm. about an incident that occurred about 20 years ago. And also, yikes! This is also weird. Robichaux appeared on a Bravo reality TV show called Online Dating Rituals of the American Male. And he was named Orange County's Most Eligible Bachelor by Orange Coast Magazine in 2013. So that's gross. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Uh... (laughs) this is going to be a story to watch. Wow. What's
1: going on with white guys right now?
2: I, I don't know. Great huh? craziness. <laughs> Can
1: you tell me
2: <laughs> <laughs> insanity? Um.
1: Yeah. They just. Uh, yeah. Um. We, you know what? We should add uh, straight white guys to the prayer list. Yeah. Because they they need it. They need. They need um. Some help. Well, my news. They do. <laughs> my <laughs> news is uh Serial killer Border Patrol agent Juan David Ortiz is a 35-year-old military veteran who confessed to killing four uh, women between September 3rd and September 15th. Of this year? He's Of, of this year. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I know. <laughs> he is now charged with murdering four women who prosec- prosecutors say were sex workers. Um, his victims were Melissa Ramirez, 29, Claudine and Luera, 42, Nikki Enriquez, 28. Um, Nikki uh, is actually a 28-year-old trans woman, and recently um, uh, authorities identified the fourth victim, Griselda Alicia Hernandez Cantu, who uh, was 35. All four of the women were shot. Um, the bodies were found around I-35 in Laredo, Texas, and... Um, I was thinking we might need to add him to the list of cases we dive into um, for a future episode, especially since, uh, hold on to your wigs, everybody. Uh Texas authorities just said that they are not confident that they've uncovered all of his victims. So there's more.
2: Yeah, I would think if if he killed four of them in between September 3rd to September 15th, and he's 35 years old, there's got to be more. There's gotta be. There's
1: gotta be more. Yeah. And and that's how he he was discovered. A potential fifth victim was beaten and escaped his um clutches. And uh that's how the authorities wow. cut onto his case. Well that's so, crazy.
2: Whew. Yeah, we're gonna have to
1: put that on yeah, the list know. for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um hmm <laughs> Um so-
1: Now let's get into the story.
2: Okay. So today we'll be discussing Swift Runner, a Canadian Cree from Alberta, who committed his crimes in 1879. He killed and ate his family and blamed his actions on the Wendigo.
1: The Wendigo made me do it. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: so now let's get into some stats. Okay. Uh, his murder type was mass murder. His murders were characterized by cannibalism. He had six victims, his wife and five of his six children, including an infant. The murders occurred in the winter of 1879. So sorry, we don't have specific dates. He was arrested in May of 1879. This Gentleman Swift Runner was born in winter of 1839 in what is now uh, called Northwest Alberta. And his method of killing was, boy, he liked it all. Shooting, (laughs) hanging, stabbing, and bashing with an ax.
2: All right. Fun times. (laughs)
1: Lots of
2: fun. (laughs) So uh, now we're going to get into his early life. And I'm going to try to pronounce his Cree name which is Kakesikuchin, but people called him Swift Runner. I'm assuming that that's the uh, translation, but I don't really know. His English name was Swift Runner. And he was born around 1839 mm-hmm. in northwest Alberta, Canada. He was a Plains Cree. The Plains Cree believed that spirits, or manito looked after all of the living things that were created. For instance, there is a manito that looks after the deer. And one for the buffalo, etc. cetera.
1: That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, the Cree worldview describes the interconnectivity between people and nature. Mm. This interconnectedness equates to normal responsibility to care for, live in harmony with, and respect the natural world. Health and happiness was achieved by living a life in balance with nature. They believed in spiritual connection to Mother Earth, Mm, That guided them to practice reverence, humility, and reciprocity. Take notes, everybody.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Religious life was based on relations with animals and other spirits, which often revealed themselves in dreams. For instance, hunters would have a pawakanak, dream helpers, Mm. to guide people Mm. towards game. The pawakanak Mm. would also help the person in times of need. One of the key values of the Cree was sharing. Game was shared as well as any other resources.
1: Hey, man, whatever I got, you got to mi casa casa. I mean, I just think that's so lovely.
2: It is beautiful.
1: It is. Again, are our senators. Pay attention. Are our yeah. elected officials listen to this. Yeah. Um, In pre culture, uh, people are taught to respect each other and nature, and then having respect for themselves, others, and natures gives honor to all creation. Swift Runner was brought up in this tradition, and he was taught other cultural traditions such as hunting, and he learned to make his own weapons and to, to use them to hunt small game. Swift Runner didn't have much contact with white people in his early life. Well that's where he and I are very different. Yeah. (laughs) Besides the killing and eating your food. Yeah.
2: Aside from that. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No bigs. No biggie.
2: So the setting in this story uh, is uh, the location was around Fort Saskatchewan in Alberta, Canada in the late 1870s. White settlers were moving in and pushing the indigenous people out. And here's a cultural aside, since I visit Canada quite frequently, uh, what we Mm -hmm. as Americans would refer to as Native Americans, Canadians call Indigenous people or First Nations people. And I read that First Nations people actually doesn't include all of the indigenous people so if you want to include all of them you would say indigenous people
1: okay okay and i think also as somebody who is central american and uh understands that there are indigenous indigenous people in central america and in south america i i prefer i like that word yeah um it feels more inclusive it, it covers everybody there's um like in central america there's there's mayan indians and um in you know south america there's um I'm not going to say it, but there's indigenous people all throughout the Americas. So when we that's why language is so important, because some of it includes people and some of it excludes people. So let's 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 use indigenous. Um, also, I wanted to add that um, everyone outside of the U.S. United States refers to the entire continent as the Americas. And I think it's kind of an asshole move to refer to US as America, because you know, what about North America? Yeah. What about Central America? What about South America? We are the United States of America.
2: Yeah, I mean Canada is part of North America. And yeah. North America. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um so I will back off my box now <laughs> and tell you that in 1873, the Northwest Mounted Police were created by the Canadian Prime Minister to maintain order between the settlers and the indigenous people because they did not want that bullshit that was happening to, to the uh, the United States indigenous people to, to pop. They didn't want it to pop off in the same fashion. So um, Swift Runner was hired as a guide in 1875. The Canadians thought the North Saskatchewan River would be a good place for a railway crossing someday. So they just took it
2: over. <laughs> as they do.
1: <laughs> yes, as as white men tend to do. The Cree people were like, uh why do white men get to take this place over when we've been here for like thousands of years? I am still scratching my head asking that same question. Yeah.
2: And I read somewhere that uh, when they were making treaties with the Cree, uh, the Cree didn't understand um, the treaties Uh, that Mm -hmm. when they took the land, the Cree thought it was basically, basically like they were renting the land they were yeah, it. yeah. Yeah. And, and they didn't understand that they were just like, uh, yeah, this is our land now. <laughs> well, I'm laughing, yeah. but it's not funny. <laughs> I always do that. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: uh, no, and I do too. It's, it's really uncomfortable, a really uncomfortable, um, discussion, but I think that, um, people in the Americas, um, all throughout need to have it more and the history books need to portray talk about it. More it. Accurately. Yeah. Um, there was a, a drunk history episode. Do you watch that history?
2: I don't. That kind of drives me nuts.
1: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> the, but they did an episode on like Sooners, and you know th- everybody loves like the football team. But a Sooner is not a good person. Oh, really? Basically, as soon as they killed all the Indians on the land, as soon as oh. you any white person. Claim that Ooh, land that's, that's as soon good. as the indians were gone no yeah, that's not good not good no. so um so but when we learn when we learn about history then we c- we can kind of prevent all these terrible things that are currently happening today from theoretically happening yeah um uh, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway i Sorry to go off on a tangent. Oh, that's all right.
2: There you go. All right. So uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the Wendigo because it's kind of a big part of this story. Uh, So uh, the Wendigo Mm -hmm. is part of the traditional belief systems of various Algonquin-speaking tribes in the northern United States and Canada, most notably the Ojibwe and Salto, the Cree the Naskapa, mm-hmm. and the Inu people. And I apologize if I mispronounced any of those. Descriptions varied somewhat, mm-hmm. but common to all of these cultures was the concept that the Wendigos were malevolent, cannibalistic, supernatural beings, Manitous, of great spiritual power. Mm-hmm. They were strongly associated with the winter, the north, and coldness as well as with famine and starvation.
1: Basil Johnston, an Ojibwe teacher and scholar from Ontario, gives one description of how Mandigos, those are the Black slaves that they made (laughs) fight each other and kill each other. Wendigos is different. Wendigos were viewed, um, the Wendigo was gaunt to the point of emaciation, its desiccated skin pulled tautly over its bones, with its bones pushing out ...against its skin, its complexion the ash gray of death, and its eyes pushed back deep into their sockets. The Wendigo looked like a gaunt skeleton recently disinterred from the grave. What lips it had were tattered and bloody, unclean and suffering from superations of the flesh. The Wendigo gave off a strange and eerie odor of decay and decomposition of death and corruption
2: well that sounds disgusting and terrifying
1: it sure does but (laughs) i'm trying to think if i know anybody like that uh maybe uh the (laughs) walking dead yes yes
2: kind of like the walking dead
1: yeah so back to (laughs)
2: wendigos (laughs) at the same time (laughs) wendigos were embodiments of gluttony greed and excess Never satisfied after killing and consuming one person, they were constantly searching for new victims. In some traditions, humans who became overpowered by greed could turn into Wendigos. The Wendigo myth thus served as a method of encouraging cooperation and moderation. Whenever a Wendigo ate another person, it would grow in proportion to the meal it had just eaten so that it could never be full. Wendigos were therefore simultaneously mm-hmm. constantly gorging themselves and emaciated from starvation.
1: Well, that sucks. Yikes! <laughs> yeah. Um. Ooh, all right. The term Wendigo psychosis refers to a condition in which sufferers developed an insatiable desire to eat human flesh, In accounts of Wendigo psychosis, members of the communities in which it existed believed that individuals literally turned into Wendigos. The people who believed that they were turning into Wendigos often requested to be executed before they could harm others. The execution was performed by beheading, and then burning their hearts over a funeral pyre. Extreme, but effective. Yeah,
2: yeah. And it, But it sounds like a lot of other legends and myths, uh-huh. like uh, werewolves and um, mm. vampires. You know, werewolves have to be killed with a s- silver bullet. Is that right? And yes. v- vampires yes, have to right. be killed with a stake through their heart. So it sounds similar to that kind of thing
1: oh my gosh this is so random but i was watching hotel transylvania with my kids today uh-huh. <laughs> and it's a it's animation yeah I've, I've seen story, it kind of yeah. like toy story but about vampire. okay so and uh the guy was like hey is it true that if i drive a stake through a wooden stake through your heart that you'll die and the the account Dracula was like yeah anybody would die <laughs> <laughs> Oh that that that's oh true. It's so,
2: it's so true. <laughs> yep that that's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would pre- kill oh pretty my much God. anybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh my uh, All right. <laughs> yeah. So the most common response when someone began suffering from Wendigo psychosis was curing attempts by traditional native healers or Western doctors. In the unusual cases where these attempts failed and the person affected began to threaten those around them or to act violently or antisocially, they were generally executed. Cases of Wendigo psychosis were relatively rare, and it was even rarer for them to actually culminate in the execution of the sufferer.
1: Timeline time. Swift runner began working as a trader and was considered fair, but his people resented the new white people coming in. Wonder why? Greed and gluttony, gluttony were not part of the Cree culture, but the white people who claimed his people's land were all about it. The Europeans were taking and over something the Cree would never ever do, given their respect for nature and proclivity for for sharing which left resources for the indigenous people um, something to be desired. (laughs) It was getting harder for the people to survive with these resources dwindling.
2: Swift Runner was a big man over six feet tall. He was six foot three, I think. And which Mm. if you think about the time period, he was just like massive. So he was very tall, Mm -hmm. uh, but he was well-liked. Hmm. He was considered mild and trustworthy, a considerate husband, and very fond of his children. Hmm. All of these traits endeared him to his people and to the traders of the Hudson's Bay Company. Swift Runner worked as a trader and was trusted by the white men.
1: Well, that's all you need to make it to the top is to have white people. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Uh, But as one newspaper story would later point out, his contact with white men ruined him. The ruination came in part from an inordinate fondness for whiskey that was smuggled into the area disguised as medicine. Swift Runner was known to be an ugly customer to meet when on a spree. So ugly that some called him the terror of the whole region. Well, whiskey. Is, yeah, it's uh, not, oh. good. <laughs> not good. Not <laughs> good. In fact, I'm drinking some now. <laughs> oh, all right.
2: Well, uh, just you know, moderation. Moderation is hey, the key. Hey, moderation.
1: moderation okay. Yeah.
2: Swift runner got into a fight with a white man, and police sent him back to his tribe, where he caused so much trouble that he quote turned the Cree camps into little hells unquote and was eventually turned out from his community altogether, retreating into the wilderness with his wife, mother-in-law, brother, and six children. Resources became difficult to come by, and Swift Runner was paranoid, worried about how he would care for his family.
1: Well, okay. In the winter of 1879, having been turned out, his family was starving. Um, Swift Runner had fallen ill and couldn't hunt, They had to kill and eat their dogs. One of Swift Runner's sons died of starvation, and Swift Runner began slipping into psychosis. He was struggling and felt the Wendigo was taking over his mind.
2: At first, Swift Runner became haunted by dreams. A Wendigo spirit called on him to consume the people around him. He felt that the spirit crept through his mind and was gradually taking control. He began to crave human flesh. And was overwhelmed with the idea of consuming human flesh.
1: Okay, so I've never eaten human flesh before. I'm sorry, I have to interject. <laughs> this, but there's a podcast called Risk, and there is a girl who told a story about how her her dad was a, like a cannibal. Oh wow! And he cooked her something.
2: Oh, and
1: it was she. Be, she. Be, he never said it was human flesh, but he never said it was not. He just told her that it will be the most delicious piece of meat she will ever eat. And she ate it and she agreed. Oh no. So I I don't I I don't know I've never had a craving for human flesh, but I don't know. Is it tasty? Well, I don't know. Tell but us. everything
2: uh that I've read about people who have tasted human flesh say it tastes like pork.
1: Oh, pork is delicious. <laughs> pork is delicious. So All right. yeah. that settles it. Yeah. Swift Swift Runner's brother and mother-in-law broke off on. Get ready for your starring role in a thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes, danger, and romance.
2: That's right. It's June's Journey, and you play June Parker, an amateur detective investigating a series of mysteries.
1: Ooh, you'll put your powers of observation to the test, sharpen your sleuthing skills, find objects and claim rewards. The visuals are
2: fire. It's like a party for your eyeballs. (laughs) As you play this thrilling adventure full of hidden clues, immersive scenes with danger and
1: romance in full force. Whether you're craving a good mystery or just need to get away for a while, June's Journey is the perfect game for you. It really is a sweet escape. I like to play when I need a mental pick-me-up. There is a detective in all of us. Find your inner detective. Download Juden's Journey free today on the Apple App Store or Google Play. ...on their own and left the camp in search of game. Swift Runner urged his wife, Charlotte was her name, and the children to follow, leaving Swift Runner behind. But one son refused to leave him. Charlotte and the other children left to find Swift Runner's brother and mother-in-law.
2: But one morning when he got up, Swift Runner claimed that evil spirits urged him to kill his son. He put a gun to his sleeping son's head and pulled the trigger. But his son was still breathing, so he stabbed him. When he still breathed after that, he took a large stick and clubbed him to death. Then he cut his son into little pieces and put them over a fire and ate him.
1: All right, take a deep breath in. After living off of his son's flesh for several days, he went to find his family. When he found them, he told them that the son had died of starvation. You lying motherfucker. (laughs) Swift Runner felt that Charlotte did not believe him and that she knew something was wrong. She lied and said her mother and his brother died of starvation.
2: After a few days together, Swift Runner realized that his family wanted to leave him out of fear. He awoke early one morning and looking at his sleeping family around him, he later said that all the devils entered his heart. He killed his wife with a gun Mm. and two of his daughters with an ax.
1: He left his youngest son and infant daughter alive. He took his wife and daughter's bodies to the campfire. He filleted their flesh. When I'm reading that, it looks like fillet of fish, but it's (laughs) he filleted their flesh so he could eat them. He decapitated his wife and bashed her head in removing her brains like it was no big deal. Swift Runner and his remaining son ate the family remains. He made the son eat his family too. Okay,
2: And I'm sure that he was starving, so he was like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the son had no, uh, yeah. you know, what's he going to do? I
1: wish we knew how old the son was.
2: I think this son was like seven. Oh! This, oh! this particular son was like seven. The oh. other son that he killed in the other camp was like ten.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, what are you going to do when you're seven and your dad's like, eat this?
2: Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Okay. So, while Su- Swift Runner uh, was eating... He saw his infant daughter lying in her bedding, and the voice of the Wendigo spoke to him. He picked up the baby and hung her with a rope. Living off the flesh of his family, Swift Runner and his son stayed at that camp for seven or eight days. The Wendigo then told him to find his brother and mother-in-law.
1: He took his son and told him they were going hunting. He followed the trail and found his family sleeping. He shot his brother in the head with his rifle, slashed his mother-in-law's throat with a knife, and crushed her skull in with a club. Then he butchered the bodies as his son watched. They carried the meat to their camp, cut, cured, and ate the meat. He later remarked that his mother-in-law was a little tough. Oh, God, I can't <laughs> believe. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> A little Mm. tough. My mother-in-law's a little tough. Okay. All right, Swift Runner. (laughs) All
2: right. So they moved on, but after several days of traveling, Swift Runner killed his remaining son by shooting him. Mm. Later, he said that at that moment, the devil suddenly took possession of my soul, and in order to live longer, far from people, and to put out of the way the only witness to my crime, I seized my gun and killed the last of my children and ate him as I had done the others now when when he says devil, he probably means when mm-hmm. Um I imagine that's probably the closest English translation
1: yeah, you're probably right. that sounds right i'll take that okay so uh let's get into the investigation and the arrest. Swift runner was uh left his he left his camp and headed to headed west to St. Albert in the spring of eighteen seventy nine without his wife and his family and He arrived at a Catholic mission in early March stating that his entire family was dead. He explained that during the winter he hadn't been able to find any food and slowly but surely. All his relatives had starved to death. The priests were suspicious, however, since Swift Runner, who weighed 200 pounds, didn't seem malnourished at all. Uh, I would be. Yeah,
2: (laughs) that is a little (laughs) suspicious.
1: A little bit. My spidey sense.
2: So community members were also concerned about Swift Runner's odd behavior including loud nightmares where he would wake up in the middle of the night screaming at the top of his lungs. The last straw was when Swift Runner tried to lead a group of children out into the woods to hunt. Mm -mm. Swift Runner was arrested and brought to Fort Saskatchewan. I'm sorry, Mr.
1: Swift Runner. I can't go play with you. My mom says you are crazy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what you mean by hunt. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'll just play with my yeah. blocks. The Northwest Mounted <laughs> Police in Fort Saskatchewan asked Swift Runner what happened to his family. Swift Runner told them that his children had starved to death and his wife killed herself. Dubious. The police demanded to see his camp. Swift Runner agreed to take them to his family's camp, but then became sullen and stubborn. He was leading them around in circles and twice tried to escape. He's a big dude.
2: Yeah. (laughs) At this point, there are differing accounts. Most accounts say that the police officers got Swift Runner drunk. In one account that I read in a book called The Law and the Lawless, Frontier Justice on the Canadian Prairies, it said that the police Mm -hmm. officer was becoming frustrated, and the interpreter who went along with them suggested using the strong medicine, to which (laughs) the police officer said, no alcohol. And the interpreter went on to create some concoction using tobacco. And, like, boiled it and let it sit for some time. And, I don't know, it sounded like bullshit. Mm -hmm. Anyway, after drinking it, (laughs) Swift Runner finally (laughs) took them to his camp. So, I think they probably did get him drunk, but uh, that's what was in that book. Yeah. So, he took them to his camp where he'd committed the murders Mm -hmm. and cannibalistic acts. Swift Runner picked up a skull and showed it to the police saying, This
1: one was
2: my wife. Whew Yeah.
1: Okay. (sighs) All righty. Well, uh, when he sobered up, he tried to take back his statement and claimed that a bear killed his family. Right. But the remains indicated otherwise. They included human bones, clothing, and a pot containing human fat. The bones were everywhere some broken in half and hollowed out. Wow. Indicating that someone had snapped them open and sucked out the marrow. Yeah. There were no bear claw marks and no bear tracks. Now I have to interject here uh-huh. because um, my, in my family when we eat food with bones mostly chicken we do eat the marrow. Yeah. Now I understand that not everybody's family does that. And uh, I know it's it, it, some people do that, but we never did. So, well, we do it in, well, so I have African-American family and I have Central American family. So that is something that is done in my Central American. Family. Oh,
2: okay, okay. I don't
1: know where it comes from, why we do it. Um, <laughs> but it's just the we do. Yeah. And it's something we don't do when I don't like, we don't go to restaurants and do it in public, but um Marrow is tasty. So anyway. Yeah, well, uh, you know, um,
2: <laughs> there's a lot of food that people eat that, that started from uh, people eating weird stuff when they were starving to death.
1: <laughs> oh, interesting.
2: <laughs> like escargot, snails. I mean, why would you eat a snail? Because you're fucking starving. starving. Yeah, And, you know, oh, there's other God things. Mercy. And I think probably sucking the marrow of the bones probably came from uh, people starving or maybe it t- just tastes good. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I feel like I need to go to the Google machine and research this a little bit more because this is already piquing my interest yeah. about.
2: Why? Yeah. I mean, there's lots of different cultural. Food. Yeah. Oh, uh, frog's legs too. I mean, why would you eat a fucking frog? Mm. Cause you're fucking starving.
1: I don't know. <laughs> You're starving or because you're a French pompous asshole? <laughs> I don't know.
2: I think uh, it started out as poor French people, and they eventually became pompous French assholes. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> frog's leg. Is oh! Curdu. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's like chicken wings, yeah.
1: right? Chicken
2: oh, wings you got to eat what they the whole chicken. You gotta yeah, eat. Yeah, gotta eat the whole chicken.
1: But people didn't want yeah. the wings, right? So they gave them to the slaves, and then the slaves made
2: them delicious, tasted yeah. them up,
1: made them delicious, and now we have hot wings, hot wings establishments all over. Yeah, the and United there's States. there's
2: other things too, <laughs> like uh, like uh, collard greens, and uh, I can't think of what else, but yes. other uh, dandelion greens. All kinds of greens that Ooh, people,
1: that's one I haven't had haven't
2: either, but, um, all kinds of things that people would eat because there was nothing else to eat. And then it just becomes part right. of the culture. Yes. And yeah. Love it and, and it tastes good.
1: It we, we should, okay. We should go on. a food Oh tour. yeah. Let's so do it. We, okay. We, we need done. more, when we need
2: more done. patrons so we can go on a oh, food yeah.
1: tour we do we need more patrons we need more people donating money to our show on the because when we do we're going to go see Beth's family in Africa and then we're going to go we're going to go on this poor people food we're gonna tour we're going to suck
2: States. some marrow <laughs> we're going to eat some collard greens we're going to yes. dive into some escargot yes. you know all that stuff
1: Ooh, all of it <laughs> some okra <laughs> oh we i like okra. okra
2: i like fried I o- you much. don't like fried okra Ooh, that's... Oh, that that's shit's good no
1: ma'am no ma'am it is far too slimy well, if they cook palate. it if they
2: cook it right it's not slimy
1: huh i've never had nuts <laughs> yeah okra.
2: they gotta cook I it right
1: your house needs- <laughs> okay. we'll go wrong. down
2: south we'll go to a good restaurant where they make good fried okra
1: Oh, my God. I Beth, seriously. This is, I'm putting this on my vision board, We're doing, it. doing okay. it. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We're doing it. Okay. We should have, Okay. Uh, we had to get into the story. Oh, what shit. if Marrow have-
2: Uh Marrow... Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Swift Runner <laughs> was taken back to Fort Saskatchewan, and uh, he eventually admitted that he had, and this is a quote, he had made beef of his family. And then he tried to minimize mm. his crimes by saying that uh, he only ate his own family, nobody else's family. So, you know, it wasn't that bad.
1: Mm, no. So oh, it's, it's okay. so no big deal. No big deal. Right. <laughs> oh, it's OK, guys. They were mine. So you don't guys worry don't about have it. to worry. Um. I don't know why he thought that would have worked. I, I don't know. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was a, it was. A... I don't know. <laughs> so uh, then he goes. He does end up having a trial, and his trial began on August eighth, eighteen seventy nine. The judge and jury did not view the Wendigo idea in the same light as the Cree. There should have been a jury of his peers. I'm just (laughs) saying, America, do better with your justice system. They saw Swift Runner as a murderer, and the trapper made no attempt to hide his guilt. He was quickly sentenced to be hanged.
2: The sentence presented a problem. Uh, The police had never before conducted an execution in that area. Uh-oh. Oh, Oh, yeah. Although the Hudson's Bay Company had once hanged an employee for murder. This was the first formal execution in Western Canada. A gallows oh was erected within the fort enclosure at Fort Saskatchewan, and an old army pensioner was made the hangman.
1: Okay. Um, qualified enough, I'm sure. Swift Runner met with a priest, Father Ledock, before he died, when he made a confession and expressed extreme remorse. Ooh. He told Father Ledock... I am the least of men and do not merit even being called a man. He said something like white man's God has done nothing for me so far. So let's save everyone. The trouble. I could kill myself with a tomahawk and save the hanger. The trouble. Let's do this.
2: On the morning of December 20th, 1879, Swift runner was led to the scaffold. Standing over the trap, Swift Runner was given the opportunity to address the crowd that had gathered to witness his execution. He openly acknowledged his guilt, thanked his jailers for their kindness, but then berated his guard for making him wait in the cold and (laughs) Whoa. um, Yeah, but I, I think he did have to wait. There was some trouble with the execution. He had to wait outside for quite a long time and it was below freezing. So it was pretty cold (laughs) and he was ready to go. So yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, the trap door opened. Swift runner fell through the opening and died instantly. He was the first Mm. person to be legally executed under the jurisdiction of the Northwest Mounted
1: police and WMP. (laughs) In the
0: house! In
1: the house! So, what do you think made him snap Beth?
2: Well, it seemed to me like he snapped after his first son died of starvation. Uh, Mm -hmm. In a lot of the articles that I read, people seem to think that the Wendigo psychosis was bullshit, but Mm -hmm. I don't think it was. Um, I think this guy lost his damn mind. I think he had a psychotic break, Mm -hmm. uh, which was influenced by his cultural beliefs. I mean, uh, nowadays, some people who have schizophrenia complain about having microchips implanted in their heads. That's a right. cultural thing. There's there were no microchips back in the eighteen hundreds. So maybe instead they might believe that uh took them over and behaved accordingly. Or uh mm-hmm. you know, a a the devil or a demon possessed them. You know, they the might devil, yeah. Have, the devil made me do it. Yeah, or a demon, mm-hmm. uh something like that. And mm-hmm. it probably also didn't help that the family had been turned out of their tribe. I mm-hmm. totally understand why they did that. I can't blame them for turning him out. He was making mm-hmm. their life hell. But yeah. what it did was isolate them, and the tribe couldn't help the family with food or protect them from his psychosis.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so my takeaway... I agree with you completely, Beth. Uh, my takeaway is this. Blame it on the goose. Got you feeling loose. Blame it on Patron. Got you in the zone. Blame it on the a- 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 alcohol. Blame it on the a- 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 alcohol. Um, so I think alcohol contributed a lot to his snap. And he may have even had a form of alcohol-induced psychotic disorder. Um, it's clear he dr- he drank a lot. And it changed his behavior enough for them to kick him out of his tribe. Yeah. And Um, it sounds
2: like he, he's his whole personality changed.
1: Yes, it did. Yes, it did. You're right. Um, and you know, it's clear from this case and from what, we know, I mean at least me personal experience, alcohol mm-hmm. can disrupt a person's thinking and perceptions of the world. Psychosis is referred to as a break with reality because changes in perception lead to hallucinations, delusions, persistent thoughts, emotional changes and drastic changes in behavior. I also think it's fair to consider that being a Native American at this time, at this time, maybe even still to this day is is stressful and traumatic, and at the time resources were limited. White men were coming in and taking over and controlling everything, and Swift Runner had the weight of the world on his shoulders. Literally, his family's survival was at stake, and there was nothing there was there was nothing left. They were starving. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then he his was son kicked died. out of his tribe. He yeah. Of, yeah. He, yeah. He really had, it was like, he, he was a, a man. He lost with, everything. Yeah. He lost everything. And, and then his son died. And so again, I agree with you, Beth. I think um, that um, I think there were a lot of factors and this, his son dying just sort of sent him over the edge. So,
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So. What's next? <laughs>
2: Takeaways.
1: <laughs> Takeaways? Okay. You go first.
2: So, my takeaway is um well, I found it interesting how much the tale of the Wendigo paralleled the behavior of the Whites. Wendigos are Ooh, embodiments of de- gluttony, de- greed, and excess. They are never satisfied. Hey. And they are constantly okay. searching for new victims. The behavior say it of again the white people in the
1: back who didn't hear you, <laughs> Ben. <bad. laughs> One more time. <laughs> you don't have to say it again. I'm just saying that because I agree.
2: <laughs> Listen, you has to be quiet because old Whitey's in the house. <laughs> old Whitey's here. <laughs> Uh, the behavior of the whites is characterized by gluttony greed and excess and never being satisfied and you know what this is even true of our culture today um Amen. i am almost yeah and i yeah, i am almost positive that this had something to do with swift runners psychotic break seeing the culture uh-huh. of his people being totally decimated and taken over by the white culture which paralleled the behavior of the Wendigo and was totally mm-hmm. antithetical to the Cree values. It had mm-hmm. to have been a total mind fuck and then add oh, yes. some alcohol and voila.
1: Ooh. Blame it on the a- 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 alcohol. <laughs> yes. So mm. I, I, I just can't agree with you enough. I was actually at lunch with um, some friends, some friends today and I was like, you guys, it took a lot for me to, like, leave my house today. I – the anxiety level – first of all, there are uh, stats that confirm that um, black and brown kids are killing themselves at higher rates than other kids. Oh, no. um, Indicating that growing up in America is really hard. It's hard for everybody. Yes. But it's really hard for black and brown kids. And then also – um that uh w- b- black women there's a the, there's I'm listening to a podcast about um black women and their health and a a a, a regular woman of color <laughs> is physically like if you take our cells and do all the tests 7 years older than a white woman <laughs> what because of how much stress it oh, is terrible existing so again, I don't expect to have a long life expectancy, but I I understand that these white people were coming in and just took everything from yeah. these people and and, and just destroyed like, their do? culture.
2: Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Their culture and their language. Um, tried him in a court where he didn't have any of his peers in the jury. Like, what the heck, guys? Yeah. So. I am just um, agreeing with you and also adding some extra facts in there. So, so hey, hey, if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you.
2: (laughs) So this segment (laughs) is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. But in my mind, this is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's mistakes. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. So take it away, Wendy. So
1: here goes. Not related to the story at all, but Jeff Rosen on the Today Show, you all know him. He did a piece about college campus safety, but I think that it can apply it can apply everywhere and anywhere there is a super duper affordable security system for dorm rooms it's only like 25 bucks it uh comes with an alarm door stopper so if somebody is trying to like break into your house Ooh. the door stopper gets triggered and goes beep 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 a little bit like really loud, nice, and uh, a, an alarm for your keychain so you can carry it around on your keys, your backpack, and sticky alarms for doors and windows. He also tested an app called Noonlight. This is I'm really excited about this. It's totally free, so you can download it. I, uh, I don't know if it's all over the United States though. But what it does is when you open the app, um, if you're like walking home alone at night and you keep your finger on this red button, the moment you like, if oh, you, wow. you're keeping your finger on the button because you're because you're, you're afraid. You like, no, I, I, I'm I walking home. This could be dangerous. I'm keeping my finger on the button. And the moment you let go, someone will contact you to see what your emergency is. Oh, wow. And if you don't respond or if you hang up, it sends a signal to the local police um, in your location with p- your picture and a description of you. And then the police are dispatched. Now, Rosen conducted or like showed us all about these wonderful tools. That's pretty cool. At the University of San Diego. So so again, I don't know if it's everywhere, but check it out and see if you have access to it. I'll link it up in the show notes. But um, the tools are Noonlight and the Sabered security system.
2: Cool. I'm going to check that out.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: So those are great tips. Um, As far as something related to the episode goes, it's well known that most Mm -hmm. people who suffer from mental illness are more likely to hurt themselves than others. That said, if you know someone who is suffering from mental illness or alcoholism, do what you can Mm -hmm. to try and get them to seek help for their safety first but also on the off chance that they might harm someone else. I know how hard that is. I have an alcoholic in my family, so I know. Um, And sometimes, yeah, sometimes all you can do is make suggestions to the person. And I have Mm -hmm. to say very strongly that it's not your responsibility to fix them. And they need to acknowledge that they have a problem and they have to want to get help. But um, all of that said, uh, we will put some links in our footnotes with tips on, about how to help someone with a mental illness. So you yes. can read them over and see if any of them are helpful to you.
1: Yes, yes, please do. Please do. And if um, any of you guys listening have um, additional um, resources for mental illness or addiction that we did not include in the show, let us know. And we we. I would love to be able to share those with. Other yeah,
2: people. that'd be great. Um, there's
1: a lot of things out there. I mean, I also have you know addicts in my family, um, and um, AA in particular, I have a beef with because it. I know it does work for some people, but it's an old. Christian white guy organization. And that kind of sobriety doesn't work for everybody. So what's cool now is there's, um, so many organizations and there's different kinds of ways to approach sobriety. And so, um, I just think that knowing what's out there makes you better equipped to be able to, to pick what works best for you so that you can live your best life. So anyway, That's all I'll say about that. Yeah.
2: So if you have any information uh, that you'd like to share with us, that'd be Mm -hmm, great.
1: mm -hmm. Um, it's shout-out time. (laughs) So this (laughs) is the part of our (laughs) Yes ma'am. The part of our show where we Yes, that's right. We shout (laughs) out any content (laughs) any content (laughs) by people of color or about people of color or any true crime goodies. So um, <laughs> Beth, do you have anything?
2: <laughs> I, I do. I just wanted to shout out another podcast that I was doing some housework this weekend. And mm-hmm. so I kind of binged on this podcast and um, I just wanted to give them a shout out. Cause I think they're doing a really good job. And uh like us, it's two women. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think they're probably white, so they're not uh, POCs, but um they That's do right. a really good job. They're very good st- mm-hmm. storytellers. And um they tell a lot of stories that we don't hear in most podcasts. You know, they're they're uh obscure. They're they're more obscure stories. Um well, so hurry up and podcast- tell us the name.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I gotta say I- it to the end. Come on.
2: <laughs> so the, the name of the podcast is Crime Junkies. And uh, they, one of their, I think it's like their second and third episode is on Lacey Peterson, which is pretty big story, but um, Uh most of the other ones are more obscure and really interesting. So just wanted to give them a shout out. Thank you, thank you.
1: As always, um, I have to. <laughs> Al and Fran at Affirmative Murder are so fucking funny. I just love them. <laughs> they uh, they they are a shout out on my list, but I, they're like a standing shout out. They're real. They're yeah. a really good podcast, <laughs> and it's two black guys. Again, there's. I don't think there's another two black guy, or maybe it is, What? What? what but it's it, if there are, there are not many two yeah, black guys no, talking about. I, I don't.
2: Black. I don't know then, of any other ones like that. Them. Yeah.
1: So check that out. But um, the one I wanted to tell you about for reals is Keepers on Netflix. I feel like this is most appropriate given the recent report released by uh, a released in Pennsylvania about the Catholic Church with 1000 child victims and hundreds of sexually abusive priests and the cover up. I don't want to bash the Catholic church. That's not what I am here for, but this report is really sick Uh, and not sick in a good hip hop way. Sick Mm -hmm. in like, this makes you want to throw up and um, disturbs all of the, the systems in my human body. And it is not the first time the church has been accused of allowing, perpetrating and covering up for the abuse, the abuse of children. Shout out to spotlight. Um, Keepers is about two women who went to Catholic high school and their favorite teacher slash nun was murdered after one of the female students confided confided in her about a priest who was sexually abusing her. The nun told the student she'd take care of it and turned up dead before she was able to do that. In their quest to find out how their favorite teacher was murdered, they uncover massive, systematic sexual abuse, including rape of boys and girls in the community at the hands of priests and even some police who were supposed to protect them. So it's called yeah. Keepers on Netflix. It's very good. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, heart-wrenching. Yes. How come you didn't tell me about this show, Beth? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. you holding out on, <laughs> on me. Oh my God. I, I, I pretty much watched it in a day, <laughs> the whole thing. Wow. Um, it's yeah. really, really good. Yeah. Um, so that's it. Where can they find us, Beth? Our website is FruitloopsPod.com.
2: Our Facebook page is FruitloopsPod. And our discussion group is FruitloopsPod Discussion on Facebook. We are also on Twitter and Instagram at Fruit Loops Pod, and links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you'd like to support the show, you can make a donation on the Cash app, where our cash tag is Fruit Loops Pod, or you can become a man- monthly patron through our Podbean patron page, patron.podbean.com forward slash Pod your donation would help us continue to make the show and deliver more fire ass content for you (laughs) there's no minimum even a dollar would help you can also support the show by rating and reviewing Fruit Loops on iTunes we would love it if you gave us five stars
1: sure would (laughs) this is a weekly podcast and new episodes drop every Thursday so until next time look alive guys It's crazy out there.
2: in the family business.
0: Introducing The Godfather at chumpacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather
2: slot. Someday,
1: I will call upon you to do a
2: service for me. Play The Godfather now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America.